You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Oh, hey, guys, this is Joe Sinnott uh, speaking for the Epic Marvel Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back once again to another episode of the Epic Marvel Podcast. This is Avengers West Coast, Volume 1, or Episode 1, How, based on the Epic Collection, How the West Was Won, covering a period of West Coast Avengers from 1984 to 1986. I am your host, Curtis Findlay. And I am your Avengers West Coast co-host, Josh Tom. <laughs> Say that five times fast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. So we are entering a new era for the Avengers. This is our first episode to do with West Coast Avengers, and uh, I'm excited to have you back. We, you are my host for um, Tomb of Dracula as well. That and, is right. And, uh, and you told me, you, you said to me when we were recording those episodes, like, if you ever do those West Coast Avengers episodes, I want in. <laughs> yes, absolutely. What is your background, your history with West Coast Avengers? Um, it was one of the uh, titles that for what was finding in bargain bins. I was a bargain bin uh, hound when I was getting into the hobby. Um, Marvel 2 and 1, Marvel Team Up were two of my big ones. Um, uh, Avengers Spotlight, which is kind of a sister title to this, which who knows if that'll get uh, the epic treatment or, or not. But um, that really, that along with West Coast, I mean, that's why Hawkeye is, is, is one of my all-time favorite characters um because these these were the ones i really grew up with even more so than the regular avengers title um so yeah it was uh kind of cool when the i have the whole series and then they started doing the epics and i'm like well i gotta get these <laughs> and then of, of course volume one is part of the dreaded quad uh you know kerfuffle that happened yeah i was gonna make sure that we mentioned that because out of all of the the books published or printed by quad graphics this one is the worst <laughs> which is a shame. It, it really is a shame. Now, for those of you listeners who don't know this term, if you are in the epic circles, I'm sure, hopefully, you know of the term quad graphics by now, because it, it, it was a, it's a very controversial <laughs> term. Um, what happened is that, you know, Marvel gets their books printed by a bunch of different printers all over the country, and um, because they print so much, they have to, they have to, you know, send all of their books out to different publish or different printers in order to for them to actually get their stuff done on time. Uh, no one place can handle everything. So there was a period, a short period in 2017, where they sent um, some of their epics and some of their complete collections and a few other of, a few other of their trades to a company called Quad Graphics, uh, which they, they have used Quad Graphics for a number of years, but this particular plant, which is in Saratoga Springs, apparently, for some whatever reason, all of those books came back very 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 like terrible quality the the build the production is just awful 
Mm-hmm. And uh, the problems ranged from uh, pages falling out, misaligned spines, uh, the books were trimmed at an angle so they don't kind of sit straight on your shelf, or sometimes the black line, uh, like the screen that prints the black line, was it didn't have enough ink on it or something, so pages aren't readable, and like just a, just a mess. This particular version um, of West Coast Avengers Volume 1, the epic collection called How the West Was Won, is printed by Quad. And the problems that have surfaced for this one have been um, the blank, the black ink issue that I was talking about, which affects a few of the pages or several of the pages around um, West Coast Avengers number three and Vision and Scarlet Witch number two. And uh, some people have also said that blocks of pages, like either were not even included in the book. We had a, a person on the on the Facebook group that said that a full sixteen pages of the of their quad graphics printed book is are, they're just not there. No, oh, wow. And some other people have said that pages are falling out, and because they use a very very minimal amount of glue to put their 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 cover on to hold the pages in. It's like you look at how much glue can be seen at the top, and there's nothing there. It's really, really terrible. Um, the the paper stock that they use and the cover stock that they use is generally thinner than usual, and so there have been lots of problems with the covers curling back as you're reading it. Like it doesn't usually the way that the covers work. The the grain of the paper um, break, makes the cover go back to the shape it was before, but I don't know if they put it on backwards or what. So the the pages curl backwards. The covers do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is there anything else that you can think of? I can't remember if there's any other issues known about this book. Uh, this particular one, no. I, I know this was the people said about the pages falling out. My copy, thankfully, doesn't do that. Yep. Uh, I do definitely have uh, at least six pages where, yeah, they just forgot to put the black ink. It's a very light gray, so it's enough to read it. But the good news is this is part of the uh, the reprints coming out the first quarter of next year, so that's good. That's right. This book will be reprinted, and we are all thankful for that. Now, I haven't decided if I'm going to upgrade or not yet. I My copy... I usually try to buy epics, like I'm sure everybody does, at a discount because they're very expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, This epic I paid full price for, and it burned me that I had to pay a full price for a quad (laughs) book, but I wanted to see it in person before I bought it, and I can't do that when I'm ordering online. So I bought it from a local shop, and I inspected the entire thing. I looked through every single page to make sure that it was fine. My copy doesn't have any black ink issues. Doesn't ha- oh, I, wow. I, I read through the whole thing, and I don't have any pages falling out. No pages are missing. So it's okay. It still has minimal yeah. glue, so the pages could fall out at some point. So I probably will not upgrade to the reprint unless there becomes a serious problem with the copy that I have. I will probably upgrade. Uh, I did upgrade my Spider-Man Venom book. I'll probably upgrade this one. And I have I have friends who would gladly take this for free from me. Yeah. Uh, the quad version, just to read it. So, and it's a readable copy. Yep. But of course, everybody in this particular part of the hobby where we're obsessed with collected editions. <laughs> yeah. These are the little things that just keep you awake at night. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. And so, the, yeah, Marvel had about there were five or six epics that were affected by quad graphics, and as soon as they realized it, to their credit, they put a stop to using quad graphics and never went back to them. So it, it's unfortunate that uh, it went that way. But those books, I think almost all of them now, or maybe all of them, are out of print. And so if they do reprint any of them, they will automatically be better copies. 
copies than what what, what came before. I'm surprised this one's getting a reprint as quickly as it is. I, I that's one of the reasons why I I bit the bullet on on this because I just didn't think it would get one or or I should say sell out anytime soon. Um, Venom I had a good idea although I still bought that. Um, <laughs> right. But uh, but yeah I guess there's enough people that wanted Avengers West Coast which is good. It's great especially it being quad. A lot of people purposely didn't buy it because it was a quad book. So, mm-hmm. but it still sold out, and it's great. Uh, that's that'll also help ensure the future future sales of the volumes, of the future volumes as well. Yep. Okay, one thing I want to talk about before we get into the 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 the, the our topic for today is the cover of this book. It's a great cover, taken from the very first issue of the miniseries, the West Coast Avengers mm-hmm. miniseries. But there's a one character who's missing from the cover. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love this cover. I love the concept of we don't know who's going to be on this new team of, of Avengers West Coast. So they've just put a whole bunch of random people on the cover here. We have even obscure characters like Red Wolf over on the left-hand <laughs> side and the Shroud who's over top of, uh, of Hawkeye's shoulder. And, My boy Ant-Man. Yep, He's Ant-Man's there. there. Yeah, I'm sure that's the Scott Lang Ant-Man. And yep. uh, down by Hawkeye's right foot, down in the bottom left corner, there should be a picture of Rom, Space Knight. Uh, but he's <laughs> been taken off of this cover because Rom is a licensed character. And the rules are um, that you can't put, especially you can't put licensed characters on the cover to advertise and sell a book if you don't have a deal in place. So they removed him from the cover. Um, how do you feel about the ROM situation going on nowadays with these? Because uh, everything and anything seems like it's getting a collected edition at some point. Yep. And I understand, you know, those were licensed characters, but they they wove him into the Marvel Universe, yeah. uh, you know, pretty tightly. And it's, it's uh, I don't know, I guess it's just a shame because we're going to probably keep getting issues where, you know, oh, we can't have that in there because Rom's in there, like that Power Man and Iron Fist volume. Yep, yep, for sure. Well, for little cameos, you can put him in. So you can see that he's actually on the cover uh, on the inside of the book. They left him on there. If you go to the very Which is first. good. Yep, that's great. Uh, but yeah, you know, yep, the, there this, he is. the situation with Rom is, is interesting. I don't know. There seems to be some sort of bad blood between the creators of Rom and who are Parker Brothers and Marvel Comics. They oh, don't okay. really want to have anything to do with them, which is why the, there's there's no deal in place. And right now, IDW Comics has the license to reprint the ROM comics. Um, and they, IDW has worked, they work with Marvel a lot. In fact, IDW publishes comics with Spider-Man and Captain Marvel and Black Panther. And they've done collections of like the Spider-Man newspaper comic strip. They have no problem uh, licensing the Marvel characters. And even they've even licensed Spider-Man for the Transformers reprints of the Marvel comics so that Spider-Man can show up in those comics. So my huh. guess, because they're not moving on that, there's there's two things that could be at play here. One is that... Hasbro said to um, is just putting a block to it because you know people are like, well, why doesn't why don't IDW and Marvel come to a deal to reprint ROM? It's right. not up to IDW and Marvel. It's up to Hasbro whether or not they want to make a deal with Marvel. So if they don't want to do it, there's nothing that IDW or Marvel can do. It's just dead in the water. 
Uh, the other possibility is that because Rom was woven so heavily into the Marvel Universe, that actually means there are a lot of characters to license. It's one thing with Transformers where there's one issue with Spider-Man in it. Mm -hmm. So you could do a one-time license for one character. But pretty much all of the Marvel Universe shows up in Rom at some point. Like everybody. Right. I know that there was a big storyline with the Dire Wraiths. And I believe those are Rom characters, right? Yeah, the Dire Wraiths are, are, they were created by Marvel, so they are Marvel characters. Okay, so, so they can appear in future volumes without any issues. Yeah, in fact, um, yeah, IDW have licensed the Dire Wraiths from Marvel so that the Dire Wraiths can appear in IDW, new IDW ROM books. And oh, Hasbro, Hasbro doesn't have anything to do with that, so that deal can be made. That's fine. Um, but there are so many characters that show up in Rom, and there's one, even one issue of Rom that includes Shang-Chi and his supporting cast, which are um, licensed characters from the Sax Romer estate. So you have two licensed <laughs> characters that aren't oh owned by IDW or Marvel in that one issue. <laughs> that one's going to be impossible. But yeah, I, I don't know if, if we'll ever see Rom reprints anytime in the near future. Yeah. But anyway, that's a huge tangent. That's a huge tangent. Yep, we probably, <laughs> you'll probably edit that out and that's okay, but <laughs> I was just curious. No, that's okay. Um, let's talk about this issue. What are the issues that we're talking about today, Josh? Well, there is a lot of ground to cover here with this particular epic collection. Uh, in this part of the uh, episode, we're going to be covering the West Coast Avengers miniseries, issues one through four, uh, Iron Man annual number seven, and Avengers issue 250. So, Josh, for people who have never read any West Coast Avengers and are just picking this book up for the very first time and jumping in, what are the key elements or the key plot points that you need to know before reading this book? Um, they do a good job explaining things as we go. Uh, this, this, by its very nature, being a spin-off book from a large title, uh, there are several elements that were originally introduced in Avengers proper uh, that kind of spin out into this. Uh, but I would say the, the main points, um, there was a Hawkeye miniseries, uh, I believe written and drawn by Mark Grunewald in the uh, early 80s that introduced, um, uh, well, it didn't introduce uh, Mockingbird, but it, it introduced them meeting each other. And actually they got married in that. So, Going into Avengers West Coast, they're actually newlyweds, Hawkeye and Mockingbird. Um, so that's that's kind of a, a status quo changer going into this setup. Right. Um, there is also a subplot going on in the Avengers book that happened before, during, and after Secret Wars. Uh, also, uh, you know, we're, we're talking 1984. Um that involved Vision not only being the chairman of the team, but also he's not exactly in his right mind. And that doesn't come to light until after the miniseries of West Coast Avengers. Um, so by the time we get back to West Coast Avengers as an ongoing series, there's already been a whole bunch of stuff that happened. That's one of the uh, things over that in the main book. That's one of the things that I think that they didn't actually do very well explaining in this epic collection. Yeah, is that he was under the influence of this giant computer, Isaac, while, mm -hmm. and that was what informed him to to create the West Coast Avengers. That's why he wanted was, another team. It was part of his idea of global conquest because yeah. he was, he, yeah, he was basically, he did, had some sort of mind meld with uh, the supercomputer, Isaac, 
And yeah, um, so actually this whole team was founded on the idea of subjugating humanity. <laughs> and that doesn't come across at all here until you get to the very first issue of Avengers uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch, which in that in that one, um, Peter Gyrick is like, we don't want Vision on the team anymore because he just tried to take over the world. And I'm like, what? He just tried to yeah. take over the world? How did we miss that? <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, that's uh yeah, exactly. And and this was the same vibe I had when I was first collecting these cuz I I couldn't get my hands on a lot of the uh, regular Avengers title at the time. So I'm like, "Wait a minute, what what just happened here? Yeah. I thought everything was good." <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So that's that's a shame. But you know, be, actually because they don't mention it at all, it actually reads fine not knowing that uh that 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 was the intention behind it. Um <laughs> It'll be great for people who read this for the first time and then go back to read the Avengers stories. And they're like, mm -hmm. oh, that's an interesting plot point there that we didn't know about before. Um, so it, it's OK it, that they left it out, I guess. But I think that they should have said something. It, well, it will be in Avengers Epic Collection, uh, either volume 14 or 15 around there. Probably both so, of those. That was a long yeah, story. So, <laughs> so we'll be able to uh, enjoy it in collected form eventually. Yep. Okay, before we jump into the issues, let's go over to our social media accounts and see what did people have to say about this volume of Avengers West Coast. Uh, over on Twitter, David says he, that he's so glad this is getting reprinted. These are some of my most fondly remembered comics of my childhood, and I look forward to reading them again. Uh, Sandrock, nice. Sandrock74 says, I know the legal reasons why it's done, but I dislike how Rom's floating head is removed from the cover of West Coast <laughs> Avengers number one. That's something that we've already talked about. Mm -hmm. JL Avenger says, it made me anxiously await the next volume. Jason says, the miniseries was great. The regular series was okay. The blank is a C-lister that should have made the jump to Marvel's B-list. <laughs> the blank. Oh, the blank. I can't wait to talk about the blank. Yep, yep, that's that's great. <laughs> okay, so Ryan says, all due respect to Steve Englehart, I really wish Roger Stern had written the ongoing series. JP Roscoe says, it will forever be West Coast Avengers to me, not Avengers West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny because they, um, you know, the reasoning why they changed it, right? Uh, so that it would be alphabetized along with the other Avengers book. Yep, but it's just weird because well, what about the first, you know, forty-six issues? Because <laughs> it's the same with uh, Avengers Spotlight. It started as solo Avengers, so you had three Avengers titles going on at the same time, but they were all over the rack uh, at comic shops. So they had to, uh, you know, the change makes sense, but it's just weird in the middle of things to, <laughs> and then it, you know, of course. You know, this epic collection, it's called Avengers West Coast, and it's using that later logo. And usually the, the X use the logo of the stuff reprinted in there. That's right. So this was a little different. Marvel did a few changes like that at the time. I know that uh, Classic X-Men changed its title to X-Men Classic. Yep, and I remember that. King Conan uh, changed their its logo to Conan the King as well. So they, they did that a few times just uh, to group them together. However, they didn't change Spectacular Spider-Man to Spider-Man the Spectacular and Web of Spider-Man to <laughs> Spider-Man's Web or whatever. Like, th those stayed the same. Yeah. <laughs> so they're a little inconsistent. Those got to stay the same. Well, 
It's all about branding, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Ray says, I really enjoyed this run, though. Admittedly, being a West Coast Avengers fan, I may be slightly one-eyed. I enjoyed the Wonder Man arc toward the end and found that the Pym Ultron drama quite amusing, if anything else. Loved the art all the way through, and you can't not love anything with Eric Justin, a.k.a. Goliath. Uh, Mm Mm-hmm. Also, I enjoyed seeing more of Tigra, and though the story on the cat people wasn't great, we'll tackle that uh, in Volume 2, actually. (laughs) Um, It was interesting to see her character fleshed out and her insecurities exposed. An interesting character worthy of more screen time. Um, I agree with that. I think Tigra got a great story in this. Yeah, if if we were reading and covering straight through just Avengers West Coast Volume 1, I mean... I feel like anybody going into this not knowing Tiger and Wonder Man are going to leave probably being fans of Tiger and Wonder Man. They get a lot of uh, airtime in this volume. Uh, and personally, I, I'd like to say rightfully so. I think they both had the most complex uh, histories that uh, provided Steve Englehart with uh, plenty to play with because he, he does tend to do a lot of uh, interpersonal relationships with his writing. And he sure loves uh, bringing in past elements and and really deep, detailed continuity issues as well. So uh, yep. that's not a surprise. And they're just they they're just underdeveloped characters, characters that just kind of sat on the sidelines for a number of years. So there was lots right. of opportunity for stuff to be done with them. I, I agree. Tiger, especially, she pretty much just bounced around doing various team ups for a while because she started out almost like a monster character right because she was known as tiger the werewoman and uh then as that kind of waned down and then the 80s really had the the influx of superheroes i almost want to say only you know that was the big drive the they they tried to keep using her but couldn't figure out what to do with her i think Brian says the artwork was mediocre in the early issues, but I enjoyed the writing. And he links to a cover of West Coast Avengers number 10. And if you just go by that one cover, yeah, this uh, artwork is not that great because it's kind of a not a great cover. It's, it's a very odd cover, in fact. All of the heroes, like their faces aren't to the, to the viewer. Wonder Man looks awkward in the background there. And there's a lot of just negative <laughs> space kind of around. So it is a bad cover. But, but most of this stuff, actually, the artwork is nice. Nice. And like the, especially the first issue of, of the ongoing series is mm-hmm. inked by Joe Sinnott. And like, you can't get much better oh, yeah. than that. Yeah. Sinnott is, uh, he, he's doing a lot. Cause I believe because L L Milgram is the main artist of the regular ongoing title, at least for a while, for a long and time. He seems to get in, in comic book circles of fans. They, he seems to get picked on a lot it, <laughs> from a lot of things that I read and, I've never understood the dislike of L. Milgram, and I guess it's because I grew up looking at his stuff by Joe Sinnott really making it shine. So, Yeah, you're, you're, you like Joe Sinnott is probably the real answer there. Yeah. But Al <laughs> Milgram, saying, yeah. Al's a good storyteller, and maybe his artwork isn't the strongest, and he needs a good anchor behind him. But I think a mm-hmm. lot of the reason of, of that is that um, he at some point realized that he could make more money by doing more pages in a month. And so he just became fast. He Uh, was really, really, really fast. And when you're fast, your artwork's going to suffer a little bit. Sure. Yeah, yeah, there are some times when you you look at Al Milgram and it's like, wow, this is really good. And that's probably from his before period where he was spending more time per page. 
Okay, so on Facebook, Steve says, I loved this epic collection. It starts with the great miniseries from Roger Stern, then Steve Englehart takes over for a very fun ride. The Englehart subplots just keep you turning pages. Al Milgram has never looked better than when inked by Joe Sinnott. There we go. Another comment. <laughs> there we go. Yep. <laughs> and Sean says, this is the series that got me into comics. I had started playing the Marvel TSR role-playing game about eight months before Volume 1... Uh, uh, Sorry, before Volume 2, Number 1 came out. That's the ongoing series. We were on vacation in Canada, no less. He says that because of me. And I picked <laughs> up that issue and Avengers Number 260. I found Number 2 on that trip and Number 3 when we got back to the States. And I loved the fact that Hank Pym was included and all the history of the Marvel Avengers... Sorry, uh, and all the history of the Avengers Marvel Universe that are thrown around in those early issues. I found the series to be very sunny as compared to the main Avengers title at the time. I loved the marriage between Hawkeye and Mockingbird in this first volume. It was fun mm-hmm. and light. There weren't a lot of representations like that in comics at the time. Great yeah, I, uh, I I love stories like that. We're we're getting to the point where I don't think kids identify with characters in comics first. I think they know about them with all the various cartoons and TV shows and movies. For sure. And when we when we were kids, like. That was it. It's like, oh, man, Hawkeye, you know, I, I fell in love with Hawkeye just p- totally based on how he was written in these in these comics specifically. Um, and it's, it, I, I just love hearing that other people had those same type of uh, experiences with it. Definitely. That's all the comments that we have today. So I think we can move over to our issues. And, uh, you know, we've already been chatting for a while, so we need to get on with the show. <laughs> The first thing in this epic collection, before we jump into the first issue, they, the people who put together the mapping on this included a few excerpts from a few issues of Avengers that sort of set up this team being made. So we have excerpts from Avengers numbers 239, 243, 244, and 246, and it's just a few pages from each in order to show us that Vision is the chairman and that uh, that he's putting together a new team and he's choosing Hawkeye to lead it. Uh, it also shows us Hawkeye coming back from their honeymoon, from uh, his and Mockingbird's honeymoon. And really all it is is just them talking about about forming the team and it's just a little build up because it actually took a little mm-hmm. a long time for them to get to from the from where they think about the idea to actually launching the first ongoing series and we would see little little bits of him uh, setting up avengers compound out there on the west coast um we did get a really cool little cameo by bill foster uh, the former giant man, right? Um, or Black Goliath, as he was originally known, uh, and it's he was on the West Coast team, the champions, uh, for a couple issues towards the end of that run. So I, I don't know, missed opportunity. W- would it have been cool for Bill Foster to have joined the team? Yeah, I wonder why they didn't do that. That cameo is just kind of there. Think, and I don't think he was doing anything else. Um, I know he was in later crossovers and stuff, but. Um, but I, I did want to ask this: these little excerpts, just going into that, into this particular volume, not knowing anything about Avengers West Coast, and reading those, there's a lot of continuity references going on just in these few pages. And my question would be: is this a turnoff to new readers, or would this instantly make new readers want to read more? Because I'm so close to the material, it doesn't uh, affect me one way or the other. And I'm just curious what that does to people. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, the pages that they've chosen are primarily character building pages. There's not a whole lot in、mm -hmm. the terms of、uh, the subplots of the actual ongoing Avengers storylines, except、uh, the one page is on page ten, taken from I don't even know which issue of Avengers this is, where Vision's、mm -hmm. talking about talking to uh, uh, who is it? The the new Security Council liaison,、uh, Raymond Sikorsky. Yeah. Um, that's there's a little bit of a hint that there's something going on, but even then, it's like there it's vague enough that we don't、right. really know. So I, I mean, in there, that's where the, we talked about the dire wraiths earlier. The the, the dire、mm -hmm. wraiths are going to attack the planet, and the Avengers are going to go fight them. And so we don't get to see that. And I guess if people are are like, oh, I wonder what happened to that story. <laughs> and they could check it out, but for the most part, I think these the pages are chosen wisely. There's not too much in there, and they're important parts because it's it shows why Hawkeye is leading this team. Yeah, and then that takes us over to issue one of a four issue limited series, West Coast Avengers,、uh, written by Roger Stern, penciled by Bob Hall, with inks by Brett Breeding, and、uh, that's they're a good combination. I really like the two of them here.、I I agree. I I actually really I really liked Roger Stern's run on this. I like Roger Stern anyway. He's he's got a lot of great classic stuff under his belt and、uh, you know on his resume、uh, when it comes to Marvel.、Um, I like this art team though. I think this really it's a it's a classic feel. It's certainly you know an '80s superhero comic feel, of course.、Um, but yeah, they they have almost like a very interesting little detail, and they do some cool stuff, which we'll talk about. Like with the shroud effect and stuff like that,、yeah. that I really, I really dug. Totally, yeah. I feel like they really captured the era.、Um, there's very, it's very similar, I think, to like a Bob Layton kind of a style.、Mm. Yes.、Um, but yeah, they they nailed it. I think this is a this is a great series. It's a, a great way to start. And so in this first issue here, Hawkeye puts out a call to several heroes that he knows to see who will join his new team. Because right now it is only him and Mockingbird.、Mm -hmm. And so most of this issue is just people receiving the the call and、uh, going to check out to see why. Actually, it's not it's not Hawkeye that puts out the call. It's Vision. Sorry, it's Vision.、Uh, Vision. Yeah, Vision puts out the call, and he's very vague and it's like, "Hey, we need you over、uh, in the." Over in San Francisco, can you go and check things out? And、yeah. they're like, "Oh well, I guess I guess we'll see what this is all about." So Tigra goes, and Tigra,、uh, and then Jessica Drew, because I guess they have this is something that I didn't know either. They have a little private investigation set up together.、Mm -hmm. And Jessica, Jessica Drew, of course, is Spider Woman, and she says,、uh, "I don't know if I trust what's going on here, so I'm going to call a friend to help," which pays、uh, plays up、uh, big into the the last half of this issue because that's going to be the Shroud. He comes to investigate, and they think he is an intruder. But also, we get to see Wonder Man. He is a stunt man right now in the movies, and so he decides to check things out. And then we have Iron Man also, who comes to、uh, answer the call. And this Iron Man, this is also something we should have mentioned earlier. At this point, that's in, true. In、yes. Iron Man history, I, Iron Man is not Tony Stark. Tony Stark has、uh, had some problems with alcoholism, and he's lost his company, and he's he is in the gutter. He's in the gutter, and right now, actually, <laughs> in the comics, he is in San Francisco 
trying to start up his own company with a couple of friends that he met and with his personal assistant or his driver or his pilot, whatever you want to call him, Rhodey, mm-hmm. Jim Rhodes. And at one point, Rhodey has to physically wrestle the costume away from Tony because he's like, you can't be Iron Man when you're drunk because you cause too much pro- too much damage and you're going to hurt somebody or kill somebody. And so he takes him away and he- Rhodey puts on the costume and now he is mm-hmm. Iron Man. So for a couple of years... Uh, Rhodey is Iron Man. And the way the Avengers worked at this point is that people, uh, the Avengers were allowed to keep their secret identities. It was okay if you wanted to remain anonymous and because you had a personal life going on. So everybody knew that Tony was Iron Man, but nobody knows right. that Jim is now Iron Man and he's keeping it a secret. And this is all from the uh, what I believe is a stellar run by Denny O'Neill uh, with um, Iron Man, which is... Two out of the three epic collections are covering that right now. We're still waiting on a third one to finish that off. That's right. But um, uh, this was also during the time Rhodey was Iron Man during Secret Wars, yeah. which, you know, it's it's you just assume Tony Stark would have been part of what was at the time the biggest Marvel crossover. But no, he was too busy uh, with booze. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, it, it certainly places this uh, epic collection in a very, very specific point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so what do you think about this, this setup? I mean, not a whole lot of action happens except for the fight with the Shroud, which is like, I, I don't know, like two pages or something. It's really yeah. all set up. Well, this, this so much of this was set up, and when I was first going through it and reading it, I, I and, and it finished in what I felt was kind of anticlimactic because it's not even a supervillain they're fighting. It's it's actually a another vigil. You know, he's kind of a vigilante, uh, but he's a good guy. And I'm thinking, man, West Coast Avengers one, and you compare it to Avengers number one, where you have this amazing self-contained story of the Avengers all teaming up to take on um, the Hulk, and then actually Loki. Uh, it, it pales in comparison. However, what you have to do is actually look at the entire four-issue miniseries as their first big uh, adventure. Um, it's true, and, and they, they meet up with one of the more powerful people in the Marvel yes. Universe as well, so that's true. Yep, uh, and, and when you look at it as a whole, uh, despite the blank, um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's very well done in terms of setting up, basically setting up shop uh, and, and giving them a really good identity and an a adventure all to their own. I think that it's it's good that they're spending this time. It's it's so strange, though, that this is a quarter of the miniseries. And it, this just mm-hmm. goes to show you the, the difference in comic writing between the 60s and the 80s. Uh, whereas everything that happened in these four issues, like you said, is one issue worth of six, 1960s storytelling kind of comics. Absolutely. Well, we're also dealing with, you know, comics in the 80s, especially with Marvel being as tight as they were with continuity. You have about 20 years worth of characterization and putting people together, whereas Stan had about two years worth of, you know, <laughs> everybody true. that he already wrote yep. to throw them together. And and again, I think it's it's done really well. I, I, I don't want anybody going into this for the first time get scared of the continuity stuff. It's all very much explained. It, it's not leaving you high and dry. Um, oh, for sure. But like you, like you said, it's it's very much a specific point. Did you pick up during the Simon Williams as a stuntman that it looks like they're implying that he is working on a Sean Connery James Bond movie? Oh no, I didn't. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, because they they show him and you know that this character that is somewhat Bond uh, doing some cool stuff with his car, and then um, the director says, "Beautiful, John. That's a keeper. Cut. Print that." 
Oh, and yeah, right. I, I went back and read his dialogue as Sean Connery, and it totally felt a lot better. That's so funny. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's really and good. Little things like that. The other thing I wanted to mention is on page 27, we get just a slight little hint at Tigra's uh, flirtatious nature uh, when she's uh, talking with Rhodey, well, Iron Man. Um, you, you start to kind of see that side of her, and it doesn't get more developed It really until Engelhart jumps on yeah looking back at this now we realize that she does a lot of this to compensate for a lot of her own insecurities yes yeah it's really interesting to to see her being so confident but knowing that it's like nope she's she's actually not like that at all Mm -hmm. well i think we can move on to the next issue you want to do that yes all right this one quite a lot's going on because it's iron man annual number seven so it's, uh, you know, a 30-plus page uh, uh, storyline um, that features the West Coast Avengers with Iron Man as somewhat of the focus. But this is a really important issue for this series. Um, basically, the West Coast Avengers are continuing to get settled in at the compound. Uh, Iron Man, James Rhodes, you know, he gets into a tiff with the now sober Tony Stark. He kind of cuts out. Uh, he ends up saving the crew of an exploding oil rig. And he's kind of reaffirming that he feels good as a hero. He likes being a hero, he, and he hates living in Tony's shadow. So, again, a lot of this is a lot of character development from that run in Iron Man. But it's it's spilling over into, in, you know, clearly he's an Avenger now. Um, but this is uh, this is Eric Jostin. Is it Jostin or Jostin? It could be either. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure either. Uh, but this guy used to be Power Man. You know, he was first introduced way back when in the 60s. Under He kind of had his powers from the same experiment that gave Simon Williams his powers. And uh, he's basically been a, a bum and kind of a loser. Got beat up a bunch of times by other superheroes over the years. And he gets a power upgrade by Dr. Carl Mellis, who he's been in a bunch of backgrounds of a bunch of comics used quite frequently as well as, as a guy that likes to experiment and create supervillains, basically. Yeah, he goes by the name The Power Broker. And I just recently read Steve Englehart's Fantastic Four stuff. And The Power Broker uh, is the one who turned Sharon Ventura into a superhero. And she called herself Miss Marvel and joined the Fantastic Four. That's correct. Yeah, and I know that he was featured in Captain America a little bit, I think during the beginning part of Grunewald's uh, huge run over there. But I'm pretty sure he was throughout the 70s as well. He popped up here and there. But yeah, so his power upgrade, uh, the former Power Man becomes the new Goliath, and he just goes on a rampage in the city. He, he's filled with all this uh, you know, newfound um, self-confidence and, and takes on Iron Man and pretty much defeats him right away um, to the point where Iron Man then gets Hawkeye and Wonder Man involved. They all team up to take him on. They're still defeated fairly quickly. Uh, actually, I think they mentioned it's five minutes he takes out all three of those guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. They, they, uh, the Avengers regroup. Uh, they end up. One of my favorite parts of this is they, they find Goliath just destroying the Hollywood sign, uh, which is <laughs> I've always loved sign. when uh, when monuments and uh, famous landmarks get destroyed by supervillains in comics. It's always so much fun. Yeah. Um, but basically, they trick him into growing way too big, way too fast. He goes into a coma. And uh, it ends with him getting locked up at Avengers Compound, which comes in to play quite a lot the rest of this book. I was so surprised. I I read for the podcast the Iron Man Epic Collection, a duel of iron in which this 
issue appears,、mm-hmm. and I had no idea how important it is to West Coast Avengers. I mean, I knew、right. that it obviously because the 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 team is there, and they're talking about him joining the team. I knew that that was part of the what was going on in that book. But the whole、mm-hmm. the whole point with Goliath is so important to、uh, down the road because he like appears in. Uh, so many of these issues later on, and、uh, and it's just it's just it's amazing that that it's so heavily tied into continuity there, and so I'm I'm glad that it's here. I understand why、mm-hmm. it's here. I always am kind of bummed when in a collection like this, it's like really we have to interrupt a four issue mini series、yeah. to put、yeah. an annual in here, but it has to go here. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I thought that was. I'm like, wow. We, you think you would have been after, but it 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 doesn't really feel that jarring. It just feels like, all right, this is just kind of their next sort of、uh, story that they're doing. As you know, they continue because overall, that that mini series doesn't happen in just two days. It it probably a few different weeks、yeah. go by.、Um, but、uh, and, and this character of the you know Goliath,、uh, Eric Justin. They use him quite a bit.、Uh, Roger Stern uses him in the you know phenomenal Under Siege storyline, and、uh, you know he has a future in later Marvel with.、Uh, well, I don't want to give it away, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know where I'm going with that. I do, I do. My my the first comic book I ever owned was Web of Spider Man number sixty, where Cosmic Spider Man faces off against Goliath. Nice. Yeah.、Uh, so this issue is very important because. Uh, you mentioned this before. He,、um, Iron Man, has to prove to himself that he is a hero. He's going through all of these doubts about living in Tony's shadow, and like, is he actually able to be the hero that he, that everyone expects him to be because of the way the armor looks? And, and and more importantly, now is he worthy of being an Avenger? Like, not just a hero, but a hero among heroes.、Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty big deal. Like, that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself. And by the end of this issue, we find out that he does feel that he is ready to join the West Coast Avengers. Yeah, and if you think about it, he really he hit the ground running as you know a superhero by having to take it over because his best friend and you know kind of his mentor、uh, you know was just so irresponsible and was so awful there for a while,、um, and then he was right into Secret Wars, which. Instantly teaming up with all these, you know, huge heroes of his of his day, and he's got to be with them, and they all think he's the old Iron Man, and yeah, he's got an interesting story arc to the point where, you know, it's kind of odd that he's just in this four issue miniseries,、uh, but we'll talk about that. Yes, yeah, we will, because I th- found that odd too. One of the things I did want to mention about this, and it, it's not a huge big deal, but for me, I love it, is Hawkeye's sky cycle. Um, I know Cap will fly one here and there、um, over on the the main team, but I've again always associated Hawkeye with that thing. Right. And I don't know. I just this is where we see it for the first time in this volume, and we see it a bunch more. And I just think it's a really cool,、uh, you know,、uh, vehicle that he gets to ride around on. He kind of has to because he can't keep up with everybody else. If、uh... right, <laughs> he doesn't have a hawkmobile.、So. That's right. Ah.、Uh... <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I like the artwork in this. is drawn by Luke McDonald, who was also doing、yes. the regular series of Iron Man at the time, and、mm-hmm. uh, and just these big splash pages where where Goliath is either growing or shrinking, and he just you see the multiple Goliaths on yes, one page.、Uh, page seventy five. Seventy five is、awesome. great. Yep, it's really really nice. 
and the inker for this one is really nice too. Uh, Aiken and Garvey. The, these are a team of uh, a, a pair of guys that uh, work together, but they do a really good job over Luke McDonald's pencils. Uh, Luke sometimes cannot be the strongest penciler, and uh, I think he mm-hmm. is, if he's paired with a certain inker, um, he can look really, really good, and this is one of these cases where these two guys are making him shine. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Okay, moving over to West Coast Avengers number two. Here we go. This one's called Blanking Out. <laughs> and uh, in this issue, there is a bank robber, a thief, who is robbing banks, and he just looks like, I don't know, like static or something like that. It, it, they, it's really neat with the artwork because they just use a zipitone pattern on him uh, against his uh, silhouette. Zip-a-tone, form. Man. Yeah. And it's what it is is he's stolen some tech, and it the tech gives him this force field around him that disguises him, and also everything kind of like he's indestructible basically, and he uses that to rob banks and get money. <laughs> so the Avengers have of to course. take him out, and I think this is good because this is the Avengers' first time in the field. They are a, new, a brand new team of people who have never worked together like this. Specific group has never existed before, even though some of right. them have worked with each other before, but they're going after the blank and they uh, they don't they mess up basically it's Simon lets him get away and he feels a lot of guilt around this and yes. uh, and like this is his first chance to to prove himself on the team and they can't do it so they spend the, the whole issue kind of trying to track him down and stuff and in the end they end up causing more problems than solving them because they blow up a gas station and that's not a good thing so the guy gets <laughs> away in the end yes yeah, so a guy known as the blank with a force field was able to get away from five Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, again, you have to take the whole miniseries uh, as its entire story, but yes, now, now issue two, this is, this is the Avengers level threat. Um, it's almost like they were kind of like, Oh, what do we do? We're just, we're, we're bored. We have nothing else to go after. Um, but it does, you brought up how wonder man, you know, he screwed up and he f- feels bad about it. This is kind of important to his character arc all the way through to the ongoing series and Envision and Scarlet Witch, uh, the beginning of that. Yeah. Um, he kind of has a, a story arc that really is getting established here, and we do get some payoff, so that's, that's this is part of it. And I think this is just smart storytelling because, I, and this is kind of a, a standard thing. The team gets together and they realize that they just can't be a, they're not a team just because they exist in a, right. in, exist together. They actually have to work together. And so putting them up against a low level threat that they can't combat shows them that they need to work together and step up their game. And then later on, they'll face the real threat and will be able to overcome it. Did you, um, during their training sequence in the beginning, uh, the bottom of page 81, that fight, uh, those last couple of panels, did you find it incredibly stupid that Rhodey was blasting repulsor rays into California bedrock? (laughs) I didn't even think about that, but you're right. Yeah, let's just set off an earthquake here. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, what what are you doing? It even says a a blast equal to that of several dozen pounds of TNT. What what are you doing? I just find that this is not an effective form of training either. I mean, like the danger room and all that kind of does mm-hmm. the same thing. But like Hawkeye is throwing these, uh, like shooting these arrows into Iron Man's armor that's releasing a, a putty that gums up yep. his works. And like now his armor's ruined. What if, yeah, right. you know, what if Apocalypse or Galactus attacks at that very moment? Now all of a sudden Iron right. Man is taken out just because they were goofing around during training. Right. 
Yeah, no, that and and who's cleaning that out? Does he does he take it back to That's Stark right. <laughs> over at Silicon, Silicon Valley? He's like, hey, you have to clean this. Yeah, right, exactly. It's mm -hmm. it, but it, it's a fun sequence that shows them, you know, trying to work together, and you know that they're not quite there yet. Uh, page um, eighty three, we see uh, Simon Williams packing up and and moving on with his uh, personal life, uh, complete with a nice set of Daisy Dukes that he's wearing there. Um, right up there with, uh, that's with Tony the 80s. Stark's Jerry curl. Yep. yep. That's the 80s. <laughs> we see these things. Yep. Um, one of the things I did want to mention was in, uh, in page 92, where we see this awesome sequence of, um, the, the five different West coasters oh, going yeah. out patrolling in their own unique ways. Um, I think was just a genius little bit of storytelling. We, we, you know, we see a sky cycle, we see Tigra, in Chinatown in that just silhouette. It's so cool. It's very cool. And Mockingbird has a Mockingmobile, which is nice. <laughs> the Mockmobile. Yeah. Yeah, the Mockmobile. <laughs> the thing that stood out about this scene to me is that they are all so high up in the sky. And, like, I always wonder when people are patrolling and they're, like, swinging on the top of the buildings, how do they actually mm -hmm. see the tiny, tiny people down below that are actually causing the crimes? Like, we're talking, this guy is just <laughs> one person who is just a petty thief. And they're, like, flying right. in the sky trying to look for this guy. It's like, they're not going to find him this way. I mean, Agreed. They, they end up doing it, but... It's kind of by flu. That's uh, that's superhero comics for you. That, that's right. You just you just assume you know Batman knows exactly the guy fifty floors down who he has to land on. Yeah. Um, speaking of superhero comics, on page ninety seven with this, one of my favorite bits that happens in just about every superhero story. Uh, Rhodey here to put out this fire destroys public property in order to do <laughs> it by ripping off the back of this dump truck. And again, I know that eventually Marvel creates this idea of damage control, but this is just, I mean, was this completely necessary? I mean, I guess, but... Well, you know, what's another... If I was the owner of that truck, I'd be pretty mad. For sure, but they just blew up a gas station, so it wasn't one more truck to the to the damage, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yep, that's true. That, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's... So you can kind of understand, you know, eventually years down the road when, when Civil War happens in the comics where it's like, okay, this has been going on for a long time that these guys keep destroying stuff. And, you know, who knows who got hurt in there? Probably lots of people. <laughs> yeah, right. The gas station wasn't abandoned, I don't think. Well, you should probably mention the big surprise ending here uh, for this issue because it sets up the next one. Um, for sure. Yeah, the, uh, the, 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 the technology that this guy, the blank, has covers him with some sort of ionic energy or something like that. And mm -hmm. what happens, though, is it actually opens up some sort of a portal or releases the energy where Graviton had been trapped for a long time. Which I don't have in front of me his last chronological appearance to hear, but he was clearly stuck in some sort of other dimension or limbo of some sort. And that final paddle where he's just... Uh, levitating the mug uh, yeah. with that look on its face. That's that's pretty good. It's really good. And I love it. And he's just like, uh, oh, you don't like the Avengers either? Oh, I think we can yeah. be friends. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. So here's our big, uh, our big bad, our big uh, Avengers level threat going into issue three. Really cool thing with issue three, West Coast Avengers, they're cleaning up a freak blizzard uh, yeah. in, you know, California. And, um, this is actually thanks to the casket of ancient winters uh, over in Thor uh, was opened up by Surtur. 
So there's a whole storyline going on over there. That was during, I believe, Walt Simonson's run. And yep. uh, it affected every Marvel book in November 1984 cover date. I love it. Yeah, I, I love that kind of stuff. so much fun. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, um, it, it doesn't have any bearing to the plot or anything like that. But I love just the fact that, you know, Marvel decided to do that over, across the entire run of comics. Just to yes. put, put the snow in there. Yeah, it was what was what was really cool about it is because again, you know, you're growing up, you're grabbing whatever comics you can, uh, you know, as a kid, and I didn't have any of those Thors at the time, so I had no idea. But then I started piecing it together in a weird backwards way. I'm like, what is with everybody dealing with this weird blizzard? I remember Spider Man was doing it, and I'm like, you know, then it all clicks, and I'm like, I just thought it was genius that all these writers could get on board and be like, oh, yeah, I'll do that in the beginning of my issue. Sure. Yeah. And this was before the things like Inferno, where they'd put a little uh, triangle in the corner box saying this is a crossover or tie-in issue. Yes. Because, like, Inferno did the same thing. It's like all of a sudden there's a heat wave, and that, you know, you pick up any comic from Marvel in in during the Inferno months, and they are making mention to this, this heat wave that's going on and the demons popping up and stuff. But this was before that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, so that clears up the 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 snow. Uh, just actually, they they even mentioned how it just sort of disappeared, um, and we kind of get a little side story with uh, Tiger and Wonder Man. They kind of do some of their own bonding. Uh, they decide to go undercover with the Shroud, so the Shroud comes back uh, in order to get into the Blanks hideout. Um, and basically, they're surprised by the fact that they thought they were just going to go in and take down the blank, and then Graviton shows up in all of his uh, his his glory and absolutely decimates them. Yeah, he's a cool villain. I really like Graviton. I think that he he is just a, a classic evil villain, just egocentric. He doesn't have any mm -hmm. bigger aspirations than just like. And in, in this one, he just wants to take down. He wants to take over all organized crime. So he's taking out all the mob bosses and stuff. Yep, he, he almost basically setting himself up to be the kingpin of the West Coast, which I think is really cool. I think that that makes sense that he, you know, is, is got he's got a whole plot that actually serves him well because yeah. then he, he wants to be a big player. A um, couple of things I liked. Uh, well, first off, Tigra in leg warmers, but also a bikini. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's covered in fur too, right? So Yeah, right. Uh, but if you noticed on uh, page 105, the final panel, uh, she's carrying off the guy, and there is a frisky cat food billboard uh, yeah, with, right. the, with the the slogan, Here's the Beef, a play on the 80s, Where's the Where's Beef, the beef? for uh, Wendy's commercial. That's right. <laughs> uh, I love stuff like that. It's just great. Um, they talk about how the Hollywood – they don't talk about it, but we see the Hollywood sign. So it has since been repaired since Goliath was beating it up. Thanks to damage control. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then when when we have this whole bonding moment between Tigra and uh, Wonder Man, we get some cool flashbacks to both of their histories, which are both pretty intricate. Um, and they, they summarize them really well here where it doesn't feel clunky. You're just dropped in the middle of things. But we see this sequence on page 113 where Tigra – can go back to she doesn't she doesn't get to turn back into human but she can disguise herself as a human yeah with and, a magical amulet that she has yes uh which that's kind of cool I, I i and it and it plays into going forward doing this uh you know being undercover and everything that she's able to do that is it's really it, it plays a big part in the next issue 
Yeah, it was nice to see both of them kind of talking together because these are the two characters that are kind of the most underdeveloped out of all of them. Uh, mm -hmm. Aside from Mockingbird, I guess, because she's fairly new. But to have these two kind of bond together and uh, and become become friends, I guess, in, this, in sure. a sense that... I, I like this relationship between the two, and it, it just provides for some good character development uh, for both mm -hmm. of them, for sure. And then when they when they eventually do go undercover, the two of them, um, and it goes horribly wrong, we have a reason why, like, at one point, Simon goes undercover and gets caught, and Tigra blows her cover in order to try and save him and yep. even though simon could probably handle himself she busts in there and i think that's because of the conversation they had just before uh she may not have done the same thing if they hadn't had that conversation yeah that's a good point um before we move on i also just wanted to make mention so while this part of the team is doing this hawkeye was all about setting up having a party grilling some stinks <laughs> yeah. having you know having a, having people you know having everybody get together and have a good time uh he's got a, a, a apron on that says happy chef and he prides himself on his you know being able to grill up steaks this is this these are the little moments about hawkeye that makes him such a great character is He's a regular guy. He's he's almost every blue collar guy I've ever met. This is him, and you know I I, I love where they've taken him to this point. And and like I said, we we get to continue to see Hawkeye be just that kind of guy, uh, just a just a guy's guy, which is which is awesome. It also provides uh, good character arc for him because he doesn't know if he could be the leader that the Vision thinks that he is. Right. Because he's just a regular guy. He's got no superpowers or anything like that, and. And can he really be the leader of an, a team of Avengers? And he even makes mention a few times. It's it's his, his you know, he, he now idolizes Captain America. And he used to give him such guff when he started on the team. Um, and now he, he constantly keeps thinking to himself, well, what would Cap do? And again, it just, it provides a really cool story arc from his first appearance all the way to now. That here he is leading the team and trying to figure out, you know, what makes a good leader. It's good stuff. Yeah, actually, that brings us to the next issue here, issue four, because he does have that con that exact conversation that you mentioned um, in the in the first few pages of this issue on page one twenty nine and, and one thirty. This is when Rhodey uh, he takes off his masks and let lets mm -hmm. him he lets everybody know that he is not Tony Stark. And uh, yeah, there's just some great dialogue here by Roger Stern. Yes, by I loved this sequence. Yeah, uh, that's really, really great, because it's a it's the role reversal. Uh, not only that, but just Hawkeye's reaction also to the fact that you know he he's he's surprised by the fact that he's dealing with the rookie, and then this rookie tells him, "Well, that was me up there on Battle World," and Hawkeye's like, "Oh, all right, <laughs> <You're> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right." Exactly. And and what does he say here? He says, talk talk about deja vu. I've played the scene dozens of times, but from the other side, he was always the one giving Captain America a hard time and telling him, yep. you know, I'm out of here if you don't do what I say. It's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's definitely good stuff. And it reminds me of like, you know, uh, when your, your parents give you a hard time and then you grow up and are saying the exact same things to your kids. <laughs> it's like the yeah. taste of your own medicine or whatever. Yeah, it's it's a nice nice moment there that they show that that he recognizes it too is yeah. is nice that he has that self awareness where he realizes you know he was just as you know ridiculous back then too totally 
So this issue is called Finale, and in this one, uh, Simon is still trapped. He, Graviton, this is great. Graviton's holding him uh, at the bottom of a swimming pool, and so he, you know, he he doesn't have to breathe because he's made up of energy, but he can't escape. And so Tigra decides to uh, to do the same thing that she they did in the exact in the last issue, which is just go undercover <laughs> and infiltrate their base. Yep. And it works a little bit better this time uh, because they are able to have the whole team backing them instead of just the two of them, which is a smart move. They should have really alerted the rest of the team that they were doing what they were doing last time. <laughs> yes. But now with the combined forces of of the Avengers, and they actually have a really good plan. And there's a part where you know even they even have a dummy of Hawkeye to to act as a red herring on the little Hawkeye glider cycle to draw yep. Graviton's powers away. And in the end, Graviton uh, he's so powerful, but they drug they drug his drink. And that's what kind of knocks him out, and they're able to take him down I, because of that. I, that's, I mean, it's it's a smart thing to do. He he controls gravity. I mean, quite honestly, there's not much that can go up against that guy. Yep. Uh, if if he isn't either distracted or uh, weakened somehow. Yeah, it's great. I, I loved how they just brought it all together. They tied up all the loose ends that they needed to, and in the end, mm-hmm. they get their barbecue. And they're watching something on a large screen, a big screen TV in their backyard. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and the vision contacts them to say, hey, you did a good job about that. You didn't have to call me for backup. So way to go, guys. And and when you were saying earlier, or I think it was one of the one of the guys on Facebook was saying how this book always seemed to be kind of the fun maybe a, a little less um, you know, stuffed shirt vibe uh, of Avengers team. That panel at the end of 146 is exactly it. They're yeah. they're all eating steaks, you know, their masks and helmets, watching a big screen TV in their backyard. I mean, this is a different type of team, and uh, you start to you start seeing their identity a little bit here. Totally, yeah, they did a good job. The, uh, it's just too bad that it uh, was only four issues, and then they put a stop to yeah. it. Yeah, uh, one of the things that. Uh, because <laughs> it, it just kind of happens and then nothing's ever really talked about. The blank is basically dead at this point. Um, he got launched out of the, the window by uh, Graviton and, you know, along with Tiger and the Shroud and they went into the drink and then uh, Rhodey makes it a point after he rescues them saying that, you know, he, he tried to find them and couldn't find anybody. And I, I did a little research. The blank actually never shows up until like the 2000 teens in a Spider-Man story. Really? So I think the intention was that he was dead, uh, which is, I mean, it's not, I guess it's not funny, but you know, nobody, there's no talk of the blank ever again for the longest time. Well, and I wonder, I haven't read that issue. So I, it it might not even be the same person. A different person might've got the technology. It might might not be. Yeah. This was just what I was reading online, but yeah, I mean, it took forever to finally, and, and then I'm thinking to myself, really, somebody decided they had to bring back the blank. There's, I, I guess he had a fan out there who became a writer at Marvel. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. Everyone gets their time. That's right. All right. Shall we move on to Avengers 250? Yeah, this issue is a double size issue, and it comes right on the heels of the uh, of the miniseries. It, I, I'm not exactly sure why. The the whole continuity of this, I need to talk to an editor or something to see what they were thinking in the mm-hmm. background because almost a full year goes by before West Coast Avengers gets their own title. Yeah. 
And so I saw it. I, I yeah. made mention of that too. And so we have um, kind of the wrap up and the conclusion of the West Coast Avengers miniseries is in uh, Avengers number two fifty. This issue here, and then they just drop the idea for like several months, and. They they do, although I did make a couple of notes, which we'll get to in a little bit here. Uh, okay. They they do have a few appearances here and there, uh, but the I'm curious if the Avengers at this time, like they make some mentions, oh, our West Coast team could handle that or something. But yeah, it, it took a while to get the book started, and I imagine that people had been writing in for a while, hey, you know, let's get some more West Coast Avengers yeah. uh, going. Um, well, this one is... Despite the double size, it's it's not a hugely convoluted story. Um, basically, there is a bad guy called Maelstrom who has appeared in some books prior to this, Marvel 2 and 1. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's probably fought the Avengers before. He is the spawn of an inhuman father and a deviant mother, uh, the deviants being part of the Eternals, and obviously we know who the inhumans are. And uh, I guess it's kind of caught, you know, that alone, you know, he has a chip on his shoulder, it seems. And uh, basically in this particular story, his big plot is to absorb all of Earth's kinetic energy to become, and I quoted this, the most powerful being in all creation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this brings both teams together um, in order to take them on. And uh, the way that they dispatch them is actually really, really cool, um, which I won't spoil. But it's, uh, you know, a lot of it has to do with the two teams coming together. We see a lot of various character plot lines getting played out here between East Coast and West Coast. Um, Let's see. They have – this is one of those things where there's a lot of continuity going. We got some Vision doing his, you know, still being under the – the control of Isaac or influenced by Isaac, the supercomputer. As far as the issues that we're talking about today, this is my least favorite issue out of all of them. I just did not care about these bad guys whatsoever. They had <laughs> his, no his henchmen are, are terrible. Yeah, they had um, no impact on me. Uh, I I will say Maelstrom himself looks kind of like uh, Jean-Luc Picard from Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, I, I just kept seeing Patrick Stewart, so I kept hearing Patrick Stewart's voice as I read him, so That's it made funny. it a bit more enjoyable. <laughs> uh, I do have a couple of um, things that are a little interesting, and I don't know where they were going with this, but in the beginning, there's this whole sequence where uh, uh, Wanda and uh, the Wasp are by the pool and you know they're in their swimsuits or whatever and Star Fox comes leaping out gets them all wet and they start freaking out and but they, it's an indoor pool so I don't understand I know that they're you know you ruined my hair but you're in a swimsuit in an indoor pool aren't you planning on going in the pool like <laughs> yeah it's, it's not like you're sunbathing so that, right I just thought that was weird that is funny. I think that's just to kind of play on the trope that uh, uh, it's Jen who's the one that's upset. Wanda doesn't as much care, but Jen yeah. is definitely, you know, the fashion <laughs> conscious one or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Um, page 160, you had talked about before how, um, you know, it's not a very smart way how the the West Coast Avengers decided to train. Well, this takes it to a whole nother <laughs> level. Uh, Hawkeye is firing arrows at his wife who happens to be balancing apples uh, in in either hand and on her head. And then he trips and the arrow goes right to her head. And I'm just like, this, you you guys can't sit. Like, what is this? 
<laughs> yeah, that's an amusing scene, and it's like um, you. I don't know. There, it's the the whole uh, William Tell with the apple thing. It's like you, you, obviously you trust your husband as the marksman he is. Hawkeye never misses his sure. mark and stuff. But yeah, you never know when there's going to be a random earthquake in California. <laughs> Especially if uh, Rhodey's shooting repulsors down at the San Andreas fault line right now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, a couple other weird little things in this that, again, made this at least enjoyable to me. Page 163, the panel where we see um, uh, Captain Marvel uh, zooming in and she changed herself into a, a different radiation, which is what she does. That, to me, just looks like a bunch of hot dogs come. <laughs> and I, I, again, it made me laugh because it's like, oh, she can turn into hot dogs now. That's cool. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, I liked on page the, the... 166 and 167. Yes. Uh, I was just going to say, this is great. This is great. I, we see the two teams. You have a double page spread here. And thank goodness that the uh, the pages, the way they were, that they happened to fall in this collection, that, that we see them side by side because it wouldn't have the same effect if we saw them. Uh, on opposite page or you have to turn the page over uh, you have right. the east coast team on the left and you see the west coast team in their plane on the right and they're all talking to each other on the top you get the big panel where you see them all together and then in the bottom tier it's all one panel but it's broken up into sections with the the panel gutters and then you each get to, to see what their thoughts are uh, individually yes. what they're thinking and they're pretty much all thinking kind of or at least on the the west coast side they're all thinking the same thing which i found amusing too but no one's willing to say it yeah they they all have kind of i don't want to say necessarily doubts because obviously their their superheroes are going to go do their thing but it it just brings more of that human element to to this and it uh, it's just kind of cool to zoom in and and focus on each one of these characters going in because we talked about Mockingbird. How many of these big huge fights has she been in? I know she's had Shield training, but I don't think she's really had too many supervillain run-ins. Yeah, and you know this could be pretty scary. Yeah, I think it's a it's really neat to see just um, where they go. Uh, all of these characters are kind of insecure. If you look at all like except for Vision. Because he's and maybe Hercules, um, yeah, I guess Hercules as well. Because he's just like I can do anything because I'm a <laughs> god. Uh, but yeah, all yep. of these all of these characters have their own interpersonal issues mm -hmm. that are going on in their personal lives, and it and usually, I mean, I guess that makes good soap opera drama, right? To have all of that going mm -hmm. on because uh, you can pull any of those elements into the story at any time. But yeah, just just to have though a team of twelve people, or I guess eleven people, that yep. where oh. where all of them have all of their issues, like that's a tough act to balance. No wonder we need two books for all of these characters. Right, right. Um, and it was kind of smart because in the in the past it was you know Marvel always had you know the one Avengers book and then you know they did a, even even before there was a strict six member policy they still kept the team at a manageable size. Yeah. For I'm sure writers and everything to be able to keep uh, tabs on everyone, you didn't have some giant you know 15 member team at all times. This was a really interesting and fun way I think to keep these guys going as Avengers and not have a, a team book that was completely, um, you know, way too crowded or whatever. Yeah. 
Although having so many people on one team is nice in certain circumstances. Like it's always great when, you know, we have the annual crossover where the East Coast and the West Coast gets together mm-hmm. and everyone's together. Like those moments are fun. And like yeah. when, um, uh, you know, when, when Brian Michael Bendis started Avengers and he put like literally everybody on the team or George Perez and Chris and uh, Kurt Busiek when they did their sure. Avengers and everyone was on oh, the team. Yeah. yeah, totally fun. Not something that's, sustainable over a long period of time but always fun to kind of get those moments in there every once in a while agreed um page 175 we get a a cool splash panel of a bunch of the avengers fighting this gargantuan maelstrom he's been absorbing all this energy and i i I have to laugh mockingbird what are you doing (laughs) what are your sticks gonna do (laughs) well Um, you know you gotta try something I suppose. I mean, Tiger's scratching up his knee. Um, you know, Hawkeye's arrows are at least exploding ones, but it, it's just funny. She's just smacking his ankle with, with her sticks. Well, if she's able to snap his tendon, then that could cause some serious damage, you know. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> and I did like the top panel of 181 where they're doing a little bit of trickery again, trying to lure him into a different area. And you you have to actually scan the whole panel because you have Tigra over in the one corner hiding, oh, Mockingbird yeah. up high, and then Hawkeye over at the other corner. And I just I like that. I like how they're ready to strike, but you actually have to look around the panel on that one. These bad guys come to an unfortunate end here because they are uh, they keep on cloning their bodies so that when they die they can put their essence into new bodies or their brains into new bodies and such, but their bodies get destroyed so when they die they can no longer come back again. I don't think that's unfortunate. I think that's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the one guy, his ability was to uh, have things stick to him. I don't think we need any more of him. (laughs) Right. Uh, And of course it ends with another party at Avengers Compound on the West Coast. This is the the party team, man. And there's a great moment here that doesn't have anything to do with West Coast Avengers, but I love it still. Between uh, Star Fox and and, uh, Captain Marvel. And it's Mm -hmm. like you don't realize that these people... uh, Oh, sorry. The the whole point is that Captain Marvel took her name from the previous Captain Marvel who died, who was a friend of Star Fox from way back when, Mm -hmm. because they both have some Kree uh, connections. And Star Fox says at first... I didn't like you because you took the name of this guy that I feel you shouldn't have taken the name from. But now I realize you are every bit the hero he is. And so it's fine that you are Captain Marvel. And she's like, yeah, I didn't even know Captain Marvel was a person when I took up this name. Mm -hmm. Like I'd never met him before. So it's just a a really well touching moment. I love the sun setting in the background and they have a toast at the end. It's just really, really well written. It it is. And, and, you know, this is a Roger Stern written issue. Roger Stern's event. Avengers run is one of my one of my absolute favorites. You know, yeah. I talked about West Coast being being the one that I, I collected, but I did all of the the Avengers of the '80s as well. And I, I mean, he just he knew how to write a team book. He really did. Okay, so I think we are going to stop here. And we will tackle the rest of this epic collection in our next episode next week. So next time, uh, if you're reading along, we'll start the West Coast Avengers ongoing series and we'll tackle Vision and Scarlet Witch uh, issues number one and two because those tie in pretty tightly as well as the Wonder Man one shot. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there, man, we're going to have another long episode next week because there's a lot of ground <laughs> to cover there too. Some really cool stuff dealing with just the family history between Ultron, Wonder Man, and Hank Pym. There's just a yep. lot going on there. there. There's a lot going on there. The, the the fact that issue one of West Coast Avengers and Vision and Scarlet Witch are both big 39-page uh, uh, issues. Yeah, there's, there is quite a bit still to, to cover here. But that's okay. 